I mean, I guess I'm a pretty sick guy. You're listening to Movie Things with Lindsay and Gary. Episode 3, I have to return some videotapes. So I think we should probably make it clear that we don't have to return some videotapes. I don't know, I've probably got some outstanding ones, to be honest. <laughs> like years and years ago. <laughs> what ones? I don't know, I was, I was big into a, a video rental. Oh, you couldn't keep me away from the video driving. We bought everything, like from like... 1982 wrestling like, <laughs> right through to like a, a recent blockbuster here we are we're going to talk about american psycho the movie wall street fancy suits just right up my street <laughs> yeah because yeah. <laughs> you don't think gary without thinking wall street and fancy suits and investment banking business cards slick hair it's all me <laughs> okay do you want to explain a wee bit about the plot of american psycho uh, yeah, so American Psycho is based on the book with the same title. American um, Psycho. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> um, by Brett Easton Ellis. It's definitely one of my favourite books. I don't care if that makes me basic. Like, I'm just saying, I, a, I've, a always, I've always loved that book. I think I must have got it for about £2 from Fop or something back in the day. And I think I've probably got about six copies of it kicking about in a cupboard somewhere. Before we get into the plot of American Psycho, the usual rules apply, you guys. We're about to talk about the film in a bit of detail. We're going to give away some key plot lines. We're basically going to tell you everything that happens in it, more or less. Like, I mean, def- su- Summarised and quickly, but you're, you're going to find out the whole thing. Yeah, so if you don't want to know what happens, if you've not seen American Psycho and you want it to be a surprise... Go watch it now and then come back and join us. But don't go read the book because it'll take you too long to get back to us. So film or nothing. Film or spoilers. Okay. That being said, if you're quite happy to listen to us waffle on about American Psycho for the next little while. There shall be no waffling. This is going to be concise, tight, succinct. I'm going to hold you to that. (laughs) Don't. Let's get into it. So the book and thus the movie about a guy called Patrick Bateman, mm-hmm. who's surprisingly in it is 27. Yeah, in the book, I did not think he was going to be as young as that. Like, the way that he behaves, I don't know. I think in my young mind when I read the book, I had him in my head as being a lot more older. I think it's just because he's so sophisticated. You know, he clearly has his his act together. So, I don't know. Well, <laughs> no, Jeez, oh, that, that's going to become a problem later on when we get into his behaviour. He's got his act together. Patrick Bateman's got his act together. It's Lindsay's quote of the day. (laughs) Maybe that should be the title. (laughs) Patrick Bateman's got his act together. (laughs) I just can I just clarify what I mean by that? I think you need to I think I need to defend myself a little bit here. Just own it. I mean because he has a successful job. And he has like a nice apartment. Yep. Nice clothes. And just, you know, seems to be, apart from one minor-ish problem, adulting pretty well. I don't know. The sort of horrendous spate of murders. (laughs) 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 I'm probably going to have to politely disagree. (laughs) Patrick Bateman's got his act together. There you go. Oh my God. (laughs) Full stop. So... 
He works on Wall Street by day. Mm-hmm. He's got one of those kind of Wall Street jobs where you don't really know what he does. He's Just like investments and acquisitions. Mergers and, and acquisitions or something yeah. like that. What, what does that mean? I've watched the movie Wall Street a bunch of times. And I've also watched American Psycho and read the book lots and lots of times. I'm still not 100% sure what it means to work on Wall Street. I wonder if it's just, do you think a lot of guys just, like, they don't really have a job and they just say to the wife <laughs> and that, like, I work in Wall Street, and in the morning they just get the suit on, hair slicked back, grab a briefcase, <laughs> I'll catch you later, and I'm going to Wall Street. I'm basically Gordon Gecko, off I go. I wonder if you go to Wall Street and it's just hundreds of those guys walking up and down, like, nobody actually goes into an office or anything. They're there are just... no offices. <laughs> Just a pure fate. Yeah, it's just all like Burger Kings and WH Smith. <laughs> just things that appeal to guys. <laughs> Sports shops. <laughs> Curries and Dixons. <laughs> a wee B&Q in the corner. A Screwfix catalogue. But yeah, I just, I've never understood what that all means. I know it's to do with money and numbers and people in the movies push buttons and yell a lot. But I actually don't really know what's involved in it. But I have to say that in the film, Patrick Bateman's office doesn't involve a lot of shouting or screens with electronic writing on it or anything like that. It seems quite chill. He seems to have quite a nice office, actually. And he manages to do his finances and acquisitions and mergers without a computer, which is <laughs> interesting. So I feel like we're, we're probably like telling this. Sidetracked a wee bit. Okay, so yeah. to get us back on track, you've got all that Wall Street chat, but add to it, he's a murderer. Yeah, that's basically it. He's very, on the surface, he's very suave. He's very stylish. He's a bit sweaty, though. He's always got a bit of a sheen. <laughs> Do you think maybe he's a bit guilty because he's been out murdering people? Could be, but I mean, you're telling his yeah. act together. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie's set in 1987. The book's set in 89, so mm-hmm. you're in that sort of late 80s period. Yeah. Um, where in the book the social circle that Patrick Bateman hangs out with is very fixated on appearances and, and so is he actually he's, he's obsessed and that's probably the biggest thing you take away from the book eh? like, or, or I did anyway is the, the sort of descriptions he offers of things are so in depth So like Needless, of, needlessly in depth I would say but it's quite cheesy, I guess, but like what what we're, what you're getting at with those descriptions in the book is just how materialistic everybody is. Then, yeah, but he does it from everything, from like his his morning routine, which we'll get into a bit later. But to like even when he's just explaining why he likes a song or mm-hmm. something like that, like mm-hmm. everything is explained in extreme detail. Yeah, you like Huey Lewis in the news? Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. This is a glimpse into the mind of... A man who has it all together. (laughs) I was going to say a psychotic serial killer. No, there's absolutely no chance I'm dropping that now. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) So the movie came out in 2000? Yeah, but actually it was in the making since 1992. Wow, there you go. What genre would you say it is? Like that's that's a tough one. I I'd, think. I'd say it's a thriller. Thanks, thriller. Yeah. I'd probably argue like black comedy. It's, it's very darkly funny. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of there's a lot of humor in it. Um. You know, particularly, you know, you said the line earlier. I have to return some videotapes. That's basically back 
Patrick, Patrick, <laughs> Patrick Bateman. Um, Patrick Bateman's get out of jail free card is always, oh, I have to go and return to videotapes. If he's in a conversation with someone that he wants to get out of or a situation that he wants to get out of, I have to return to videotapes as his go-to line. I'm 100% going to bring that back into a new like, day-to-day life. What's, what's the today's equivalent of having to return some videotapes? I have to go to boot camp. Boot camp? Yeah, you know, like when people are like, oh, I've got a class at the gym, I need to go by. Uh, Giving away, like, our secrets here. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not one. Never used that. Yeah, you've never used that. So I was reading that, um, so obviously Patrick Bateman in this movie is played by Christian Bale. Mm -hmm. I was reading that to get sort of influence for how he was going to portray the character, he came across a Tom Cruise appearance on, like, the Letterman show. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of what he based it on. So what characteristics do you mean? So his actual quote was that Tom Cruise was a very had very intense friendliness but like nothing behind the eyes. Yeah, I can I can see that. There's definitely some interviews that I've watched with Tom Cruise where he's intense yet not really there. Not in the room with you at the yeah. same time. Tom Cruise probably got it all together as well, but could <laughs> could be a murderer. Oh, I'm regretting seeing that now. <laughs> Which adds coming back and coming back again. So the soundtrack for American Psycho is like pretty amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's because it's set in nineteen eighty seven. There's a there's a lot of really great eighties music in it. And obviously, like they use the soundtrack really well for like sort of iconic scenes in the film. Yeah, yeah. So particularly like really brutal murders will be set to a kind of peppy upbeat like soundtrack. Yeah, and it's got lots of bits like that throughout. Like, you've got the soundtrack, you've got obviously like the violence on screen's pretty graphic. Mm-hmm. But then in the background as well, you've always got like wee hints towards other sort of horror and things like that. Like, there's the, the scene when he's actually watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. It's got a pretty good cast. Yeah. It's, so it's got, I was going to say Jay Leno, that's not right, Jared Leto. Jay Leno and that <laughs> character would make it very, very different. Yeah, so it's got Jared Leto, yep. Willem Dafoe. Mm hmm. Reese Witherspoon. Strong cast. It's got a strong cast. Strong cast, but all quite young at the time. So the movie changed hands a couple of times before it eventually settled on the right director and the right cast. Our old friend Leonardo DiCaprio, who obviously was like picked to, to almost be Neo, you know, as we mentioned in a, in a previous episode, he was almost going to be Patrick Bateman. What did they go do instead? He went to do the beach. Hmm. I like these chats that we have when it's like, should you have made that decision or not? Like the Will Smith. Yeah. Well dressed. Should they have done the beach at American Psycho? I quite liked the beach. The be- Again, the beach, actually the book's good. But the film was pretty good, as I remember it. But I don't think I've watched it since it came out in the cinema. So, so we'll back his decision then? Yeah. Okay, So cool. there's a couple of different directors before it eventually settled on Mary Harden. So Christian Bale had an agreement, kind of in principle, that he was going to be Patrick Bateman. But then Oliver Stone was brought in as director and Leonardo DiCaprio was then going to play the lead role. So after Oliver Stone wasn't in the picture anymore, Mary Harron didn't want Leonardo DiCaprio. She felt he was too boyish and too much of a heartthrob because Romeo and Juliet and Titanic had been out like a couple of years before. And she just didn't think he was going to be quite right to be Patrick Bateman, which I can kind of see. Poor Christian Bale, basically being 
<laughs> You're not boyish and <laughs> or, or not, enough of a heartthrob. Heart He's not though. No, not not in not in my eyes, certainly. Not on Leonardo DiCaprio scale. He's definitely not on a par with Leo. Let's <laughs> let's be real here. Let's be real. Apparently Johnny Depp expressed an interest in the role. I don't know if that was a two-way street or not, though. So yeah, I could probably see that. Chopped and changed directors a couple of times. But again. they landed on a pretty decent cast in the end, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Christian Bale basically kidded on that that whole thing in the middle didn't happen. It was, it was like, just his all along. Basically, yeah. It's fair enough. Yeah. One of my, my favourite castings in it that I probably forgot about until we like watched it again the other day is Willem Dafoe. Yeah. I think he's great in it. Yeah, he's, he's probably not as like creepy as normal. <laughs> he's not as Willem Dafoe plays a lot of weird characters. Yeah. And this for him is like quite straight, I guess. Like <laughs> um but I, I find his character really interesting because and I, I was reading about this after, but you do get the vibe like during it, you're a bit like, does he know? It's just strange. One day someone's walking around, going to work, alive and then nothing. People just disappear. The earth just opens up and swallows them. Eerie. Really eerie. I should probably explain a wee bit about the context behind that, but he, he he's introduced maybe about halfway through the film when there's been some murders. Mm-hmm. And he's coming to question Patrick Bateman about what he might know about it because he had maybe or maybe not had, was one of the last people to be seen with someone who has now disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, but they flip it really cleverly because when you're watching it you're thinking does Willem Dafoe know that he done it or mm-hmm. is he a suspect or is he just like here to kind of find out like do you know what happened can I get any information from you yeah he maybe appears three three or four times in it mm-hmm. but each time you get a bit of a different vibe you're like oh he's pure on Patrick Bateman and then you're like maybe he's not and then you just don't really know but it's quite a fun character for a bit of a sort of cameo type role. Like, I thought Willem Dafoe was like... Yeah, I mean, it does feel like a cameo because you're just kind of watching the film and Patrick Bateman's secretary's like, oh, there's a detective here to see you and lets him in. And you're like, hey, it's Willem Dafoe. Forgot he was in this. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Always nice to see his, his sneaky little face popping up somewhere. So what else do you think about when you think of American Psycho? I always think about business cards. New card. What do you think? Whoa. Very nice. Look at that. Picked them up from the printers yesterday. Good coloring. That's bone. And the lettering is something called Cillian Braille. It's very cool, Bateman, but that's nothing. Look at this. That is really nice. Eggshell with Romalian type. What do you think? In American Psycho, it's set, you know, in the kind of yuppie time of the late 80s. Uh, upper class Manhattan and there's a lot of fixation on what you have in your material things and your appearance basically. Where you're able to get a reservation for dinner that night. Yeah yeah there's a lot of importance um, placed on these things a lot of competitiveness and a lot of um, people vying for position I suppose. The thing is Patrick Bateman spends a lot of time with his friends but you can tell they're not really friends. They're just yeah. people that are all trying to outdo each other. Yeah. And one of the scenes, they compare things quite a lot. They compare, um, you know, suits, uh, like you mentioned, where they've managed to get a dinner reservation, all these different kinds of things, even like w- which women they have, really, to, to an extent as well. 
but one of the things that seem as a status symbol in particular in it is their business cards. And the funny thing is, like, they're so dull, the business cards as well. Like, what they're actually comparing is, like, slightly different shades of ivory and, like, different really, really basic fonts. So it's not like you're going, like, today's business cards where, like, somebody's turning up with, like, pink graphics and the other person's got, like, a big burger in the back of theirs or something <laughs> like that. Like, it's they're, they're very very minute differences between each other's but they actually cause like their sort of competitors slash pals mm. to like perspire at the thought of like this guy's might be better than mine when it's in reality like they all look the same yeah and it's, <laughs> it's kind of given me flashbacks of when we were in B&Q earlier today looking at about 50 shades of the colour white like to, to buy paint I know I'm criticising the business card things and then I, I'm thinking back now going like did we get the right shade of white <laughs> you're starting to get that, that Patrick Bateman look about you that kind of sheen yeah, yeah you've got that you've got that nice dewy sort of sheen about you now <laughs> but it's okay because then we've got your act together exactly exactly <laughs> uh, I'm sleeping with one eye open later basically everyone in this film is very fixated on appearances but no one more so than Patrick Bateman everything from what products he uses on his face to where he's bought his bag from, all of these things, you know, I would say, you know, when I do think of the film, I think about these things because, and that's part of the humour, I suppose, in it, is the fact that they are so fixated on appearances and so fixated on people having the best of gear. It's funny because you laugh at it, but at the same time, you also, like, you do feel like it's very real, like there are people when you, you take away the murderous side. There must be a lot of people, and especially have been a lot of people at that time, who were that fixated materially. Mm-hmm. Materially? Materialistic? Lee? Materialistic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're inventing terms now. Yeah, okay. Luckily, like, no one's going to rely on us to teach them proper English. proper English. But yeah, they're very reliant on material things, and they place great importance on it. They're very, there's a lot of vain... Vanity. Indeed. See, I can correct some. I'll get some <laughs> wildly wrong and I'll invent some, but we'll correct And the words have barely left my lips and you're already <laughs> correcting me. So I'm going to hit you with my facto for the week. Okay. And it's to do with, like, we've talked a wee bit about, or I've hinted towards his morning routine. Okay. You said a wee bit about that sort of thing as okay. well. Okay, so let's go. The morning routine's obviously pretty extensive. Yeah. Um, It must be about, what, maybe five or six steps. At least. And it's basically just for his face, more mm-hmm. or less. Mm-hmm. But apparently during production, Christian Bale followed it verbatim. Wow. Like the character, Patrick Bateman's, like, as it's described in the book and in the film. So the face masks every morning. Yeah, because I think, like, he goes from, like, a face mask to a, a scrub to, a <laughs> <laughs> like, a sort of lathering wash to yeah. an aftershave lotion mm. without shaving. To be honest, if you were getting the, the best of the best products to use every day. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, I wonder if he done that, like, in my contract, to get into this sort of the method space, the head space of the mm-hmm. character. I'm going to need you to totally fix out my closet with, like, all the suits. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need some business cards. We need all the products. Mm-hmm. That's not... That's You're going to have to take, take me down to Kiehl's and hook me right up. I'm going to have to live in a sort of 
Manhattan apartment, mm -hmm. pure white, everything. Yeah. For a good few months in yeah. advance of filming, just to get in the headspace. Just to get in a character, just to really walk in his shoes. Just kill a few people, but you can like cover that off for <laughs> me because it's all part of the role. Yeah, I think that the I think that the routine is definitely a big part of it, and I'm not. I mean, it's a it's a good fact, but I'm not surprised. Like if if I was even one of the runners on the film, I would be like, yeah, I need to get into that seven-step morning routine, please, just so that I can do my job effectively. I'm just a wee bit disappointed that it says, like, during the filming and that he's not kept it up for, like, 20 years since. I mean, for all we know. Maybe he's added to it. What if he's on, like, 10 steps now? <laughs> 10 steps. <laughs> Attrition since the year 2000. <laughs> so I know that he trained with a personal trainer six, di six days a week, three hours a day. In prep for the film because he's in pretty good shape in the film. Yeah, and what is it? Patrick Bateman can hit like a thousand crunches in the morning with his ice pack on his eyes. Yeah. So the ice pack's obviously part of the morning routine as well. But yeah. You obviously you want to multitask. He's a busy man. You've got to make use of that time. So that's when you get your crunches in as well. And maybe a little bit of seventies horror playing in the TV behind you as well. Catch a movie while you're you're doing all your exercises. Who says men can't multitask? <laughs> <laughs> So obviously, through through the film and through the book, you've got the sort of the double life. You've got that he's successful on Wall Street, or relatively successful, I guess, on Wall Street, mm -hmm. and then he's just a horrible person at yeah. night. In yeah. fact, I mean, most of that the bad stuff happens at night, which gives you that sort of like yeah, he's he's got the split personality. But the most interesting part watching the movie and obviously reading the book is is any of it real? Yeah. And that, that seems like a really basic, simplistic question, but, like, no, but that's they, the most important part for me for, like, the whole thing is, like, what do you actually take away from it, having read it or seen it? So there's always this doubt that he's not a very reliable storyteller. Yeah, because what what happens throughout the film is, effectively, he confesses multiple times to all the terrible things that he's done, mm -hmm. but no one believes him yeah. or hears him. Yeah. But it's just the, the way it's put across is quite strange and that... There's a few times where people don't really hear him, obviously, but there's times when he obviously they just says, "Here's what I've done," mm -hmm. and they they just laugh and they're like, "Ah." Oh. But they also, most people, and you don't know whether this is part of like how they don't actually really care about anybody at all. People mistake him for other guys mm -hmm. all the time, and you can see why that may be quite easy because they all look exactly the same. But it may. It, starts to build a sort of as any of this as this Patrick Bateman even exist or yeah, like yeah. is he one of these other guys yeah. he gets called about three or four different names by different people through mm -hmm. the film he gets mixed up with other people who work in mergers and acquisitions on Wall Street yeah and then he's trying to confess to a whole bunch of crimes that you've got to imagine would have hit the headlines because they're pretty gruesome and nobody believes anything about anything so you don't know if that's the comment on like 80s Wall Street or is it just purely the character? Yeah, because the the his group of friends and peers and you know business associates, you can tell that they're also fixated on themselves. That have they even bothered learning each other's names properly? Have they even, you know, are they even paying that much attention to everyone else round about them, or are they just so set? Are they so self obsessed that they just don't? They're just not even aware that someone's actually speaking to them, they're not taking it in. So I guess it does go back to that kind of Tom Cruise thing that you were talking about. Like, there's that pretend friendliness there. But a bit dead but, behind but, the but, eyes. But, but actually, they're not even 
they're not even there with you. Yeah. They're thinking about themselves. And you only exist to them in sort of terms of competition. Mm-hmm. It's only to beat you. For me, when I think about the film, I do think about the style, that 80s yuppie look, obviously, that we've touched on with the beautifully tailored suits, you know, the leather gloves, um, you know, the flawless skin, like the, the, the well-coiffed hair. For me, a lot of that comes down to how beautifully designed the costumes are, like, in the film. So the person that designed the costumes for American Psycho, I feel like I'm going to butcher her surname, but her first name's Isis, and I think it's uh, Musendin. And interestingly enough, she's done costumes for a range of films. Some of the ones I'm going to hit you with, you would not associate with American Psycho, which I think probably shows how talented she is. So she also done the costume design for Drag Me to Hell. And you'll really like this one, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Wow. She also done some of the Chronicles of Narnia films and she done the costume design for the easily forgotten sequel to Dirty Dancing, Havana Nights. <laughs> Havana Nights. <laughs> Can I get a coffee called that? <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a varied TV. Yeah. Um, so she's she's done other films as well, but that's sort of the, the big hitters that she's done like the costume design for. So, yeah, for me, American Psycho, I think it probably is because there is such an emphasis on appearances and, and looks and stuff, but the clothes and the, and the styling is something that springs to mind for me when I think about the film. But despite how incredibly stylish it is, the thing that we can't forget about American Psycho is also how extremely violent the film is. And I think that's the reason why when it came out, it did totally polarise people. Like they showed it at Sundance and half of the audience loved it and half of them really, really didn't like it at all um, because basically of how violent it was and how much detail it goes into when Patrick Bateman's obviously like committing all these horrendous murders during it. And it's interesting though, eh? because I would argue that they actually cut a lot of violence from the book. Yeah, yeah, the book... He does a lot what maybe not worse, but he does some pretty more. He does some pretty shocking things in the book that aren't in the film. And and just more frequent as well, I guess. Yeah. Like we've probably got about double the murders and things like that in the book than you've got in Yeah. But the thing is, like it's not something you probably hear me say often in a film, but more violence I don't think would actually have done any benefit here. Like seeing the same thing repeated mm-hmm. again and again, you get plenty from what's already there. Yeah. And in in the end I'll probably touch on this a wee bit more when we, we sort of sum it up, but you've, you've definitely seen enough by the time the film finishes. You're yeah. not thinking, like, you need to show me more to convince me he's crazy or anything like that. Like, I've seen plenty yeah. by this point, so... I suppose at the time when that came, when the film came out, American Psycho, I don't think, was badged to be an out-and-out grisly horror film, the way that, obviously, something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre was, you know? Like, and I think Wayne's scenes like that happen in the film maybe for people that weren't expecting it it was quite jarring like for people that hadn't read the book i want to touch a wee bit on the sequel american psycho controversial sharp and take a breath okay let's unpick that so there's not really that much to unpick apart from the fact that it's one a terrible movie Mm -hmm. two clearly made with really no tie to american psycho at all Mm. but they've maybe looked at it and went guys, we've got nothing here. We're going to have to link this to something that already exists yeah. to get people yeah. to come and see it. So, like, that sort of thing when 
they stick like JJ Abrams on as like a executive producer just yeah. to get people in the door because they're like, oh no, we've made a bit of a, a duffer here. <laughs> <laughs> a duffer. Um, American Psycho 2, one word review, duffer. Aye, American Psycho 2, colon, a bit of a duffer. So there the, you go. the only thing I can remember about American Psycho 2 is that Mila Kunis is in it. That's but, about it. But That's so all. is William Shatner. Whoa, okay. Clearly, no, I'm sorry. That's not enough for me to go back and watch it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm talking myself into it now because I'm thinking at, at that point, I would probably, not to overanalyze, but maybe going through like my second wave of like horror at that point, year 2000, mm-hmm. maybe like I've spent my early teens watching like all the original stuff, like the Halloweens, the Friday 13s, all those sort of slasher films. And you set the bar really, really high. And I guess when all these films came around around about 2000, when you move on to the later films in the Friday the 13th mm-hmm. um, and st- a series and stuff like that, you just think, oh, it's rubbish, it's rubbish, it's rubbish. But when you go back to them now, you think it wasn't really. I just, for some reason, had set a completely unrealistic expectation on a lot of these films. I probably haven't done that here, though, have I? <laughs> <laughs> no, so effectively what we've got in American Psycho 2 is um, Mila Kunis plays a character called Rachel Newman who basically has an interest in murders because she had some sort of encounter with Patrick Bateman. So she enrolls in, like, university and her lecturer is William Shatner. He's, like, a retired FBI agent. I mean... Who wouldn't want William Shatner to be their lecturer at uni? I mean, obviously I had William Defoe, but... <laughs> I'm not getting any of that. Lindsay basically had a lecturer who just looked like a normal lecturer. <laughs> no, he looked like William Defoe. He looked absolutely nothing. It's just like an old guy with brown hair and glasses. <laughs> Literally no other William Defoe-esque characteristic. Everyone in class thought he looked like William Defoe. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. You look nothing like Willem Dafoe and we'll leave that there. Okay, I wish though that I had the actual William Shatner as a uni lecturer. He could teach me anything, yeah. I'd just sit and listen to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But in this, interestingly, he teaches a bit about behavioural and social sciences, I think. Mm. And basically, Miley Kunis's character will take out anybody that gets in her way as she tries to get to the top of the class. That's intense. I'm making this sound way better than it is. Please do not seek this out on this. (laughs) This is not a recommendation. This is what happens when you get a bit overexcited by William Shatner. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen you so animated when you're talking. It's only ever William Shatner or Nicolas Cage that bring this out in you. There you go. We're finding a new one every week. (laughs) (laughs) I would never, I could never imagine being so intent and being top of my class that I just start killing people. Aye, but I mean, we're talking about someone who actually had William Shatner as a lecturer versus somebody who thinks they had a guy that looked a bit like Willem Dafoe. (laughs) There's levels to this. Okay, fair enough. I like that as bad as American Psycho 2 is, I'm not at that level is what you're you're saying. Right, I'm going to bring us back. Oh, gosh. I'm going to bring us back. Okay. American Psycho what rating would you give it out of 10? I think I'd at least give it a 7. A 7? Because I think the book's better than mm-hmm. the film. I do. I so really, is it a 10 out of 10 book? It's, for me, yeah, the book's pretty pretty incredible. Like, the book 
the book is it remains one of my all-time favorite books and I've already said it but it's it's a great book the film's good I'm not a huge Christian Bale fan but like he's fine in this film the music's great you know the music in the film's good um the styling's incredible they don't hold back with the violence which obviously because of the subject matter I think that that's good like that like that's that's what you want from American Psycho you want it to be in your face and quite shocking um and yeah I think they do a good job with it but like it's not the it's not like a 10 out of 10 film for me and I like the book better which is why I guess it knocks a couple of points off but it's a solid watch it's held up well since 2000 since we watched it recently um and yeah I would I would recommend it like if, if no one's seen it I think it's pretty good and Christian Bale's pretty good in it I will give him this credit for pulling off that kind of living two lives kind of character which obviously he'd done later in his career when he played Bruce Wayne and Batman so yeah it was obviously the start of something good for him I'm just not a huge Christian Bale fan as you know but credit where credit's due so I think I'd give it a 6.5 mm. 6, 6.5 something like that okay I don't know why but I always give things a 0.5 I know what the relevance of that is I should just commit to a 6 or a 7 but it doesn't feel just as low as a 6 or as high as a 7 so a wee cheeky half 6.5 okay um, the same thing happens to me every time I watch American Psycho where it starts off strong and I get a bit bored like about an hour hour and 10 in mm-hmm. I'm a bit like yeah mm. I, th- I feel like it goes through a bit of a cycle in the sort of, if you were to quarter the film, in the sort of third quarter, yeah. it's just more of the same of what you've already seen. Mm-hmm. So like the first bit, when you're getting to know the character and stuff, really good. The second bit, as you start to see his interactions more and more with the people around him and how hollow that whole world is, mm-hmm. is interesting. Yeah. And then you have your first sort of spate of violence and stuff, and then it just sort of repeats. So it's established a formula. Yeah, but I'm bored by the point where it wraps itself up. Mm-hmm. And that's happened to me every time I've watched that film. And I don't. I remember reading the book. It was one of those books, and age probably comes into it a wee bit. I don't know if it'd be the same now, but the first time I read that book, you couldn't put it down, especially as you got towards the end. Mm-hmm. And it was ramping up, and I didn't know. I, when I read the book, I didn't know how it ended. So, like, it was literally like, I can't put this down until I find out what happens here. Mm-hmm. Like, he's confessing. What's going to happen next? This is amazing. In the film, it's by that point, I'm, I'm kind of zoned out a wee bit. Yeah, like, you're a bit like... It's, and it's happened every time I've watched it. But like, I don't really care what happens to you, Christian Bale. I'm kind of bold, Christian. Mm. But 6.5, is that a fair score? Yeah. There's a lot of good in there. Like you say, the soundtrack, spot on. What would you say we've learned from American Psycho? But apparently I've learned that it's perfectly acceptable to be a murderer and still be considered to have your... <laughs> so that's a new one for me um, and I've also learned a pretty comprehensive morning routine for my skin there you go it beats my sort of one step of soap <laughs> <laughs> I could break that down slightly to water soap on water soap off getting a bit of a Mr Miyagi wax on wax <laughs> off vibe from you <laughs> it's not that methodical it's more of a manic scrub <laughs> manic scrub <laughs> that's what they were going to go with for the film originally and then they realised that American Psycho 3 manic scrub <laughs> manic scrub love it <laughs>
If you guys didn't already know, Movie Things is very much alive on over on the social media, so we definitely want to hear from you as we chat about American Psycho over the next week. We want to know, first of all, have you seen the movie? What did you think of it? And, you know, do you have a manic scrub or do you have a bit more in-depth of a morning routine? Can you beat my one step <laughs> morning routine? And probably the most important question of all, can someone please explain, at least to me, what it means to work on Wall Street? <laughs> <laughs> and what I guess I'm interested in is, what do you think with the whole, like, was it real conversation? Mm-hmm. Like, does Patrick Bateman really exist? Was it, like, something that he fantasised? Did he actually carry out these crimes? Let us know what you think. Yeah, definitely. How can people get in touch with us? They can get in touch at MovieThingsPod on Instagram and Twitter. So be sure to hit us up, guys. So that's pretty much it. That's our show. We hope you've enjoyed this little stroll down 1980s Wall Street. American Psycho Lane. American Psycho Lane. (laughs) It's like adjacent to Wall Street. I like that. I like that. So, yeah, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.